Hello everyone and thank you for coming back to yet another episode of The Gloving Paradigm. I am your host Peter aka LPD8 Dubuque and this week it's going to be a very interesting week for me. I get to cover a subject matter that I know a lot of people don't like hearing from me because of other reasons besides just who I am. But I also want to show that I do not neglect this side of gloving because I do find it very valuable in the community as a whole, as much as some people like to disagree with me. And what is it that I'm going to be covering? It's pretty much another competition type of episode. Uh, the main reason why I want to cover this is because this is something that I do often outside of gloving when, well, when I was very competitive in, in this aspect. Uh, this, this is something I did, and I know a lot of people also do, especially when it comes to competition settings outside of gloving. We set time to prepare ourselves for this upcoming competition type event again all my avid listeners knows i'm a huge magic the gathering fan so you guys all know where i'm going with it when i say that you know preparing myself by you know play testing and metagaming net decking and all all that jazz you know anyone who knows magic the gathering you know what i'm talking about so what i'm going to implore on to all of you to for this week is pretty much just an idea of if you're somebody who wants to get into, you know, the competitive outlet and the competitive aspect of gloving, that, you know, you do have ways to actually do that. And not only that, I, I feel like not a lot of people will kind of talk about preparing for a competition. Like, you know, we, we get these competitions, you know, posted and it's like X amount of time before it actually happens, you know. But no one sits here and actually talks about preparing for it and actually gearing up to get to that point you know the 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 type of lab sessions you should be doing uh to gear up to that point and things of that nature and i kind of just want to break the mold or break the ice and actually you know open the floor to discussion on that matter because you know as much as there are people out there who really don't like the competitive aspect of gloving and vehemently hate the existence of the competitive aspect that gloving has there is good that comes from it and i'm not going to be the type of person that will turn away an aspect of something that i'm very passionate about because it, it just feels like i'm alienating a, a segment part of the community and i don't want to do that not only that is that i don't hate the competition settings i don't hate the competition environment you know i i find the competitive environment in any type of community that exists is a good thing uh you know now granted i can totally understand if you're the type of person who doesn't like you know popularity contests and i totally agree with that popularity contest is not what is needed in any capacity in terms of gloving it doesn't to me it doesn't solve anything it just shows who's more well known but again i digress so here's the situation let me let me kind of paint a picture for you okay so you got two different formats that you get to choose from a live in-person type format and then you, of course you have the online format so let me kind of paint this picture you 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 hear three months from now there's gonna be a competition and the signups are already happening and you decide that you're going to sign up now you have literally 90 days to prepare for this tournament now granted I know a lot of people don't count gloving comps as tournaments but I usually just tend to refer to them as tournaments that's just how I am but yes, you, you have this event that is coming up in three months time, 90 days that you need to prepare for. So how do you prepare for it? Well, first of all, let's actually kind of go about 
the things that you need to know or things you need to pretty much check off when it comes to the format that you're choosing from. Okay, so when it comes to an in-person competition, of course, there are things that you need to have available and ready for you and prepared. Of course, travel time, supplies, accommodations, those are the things you need to have in place. Of course, you want to make sure that if you are traveling, maybe you're traveling across the country to do an event that's kind of crazy when it comes to gloving, in my opinion, but, you know, people have done it. For crying out loud, there was people who were flying, you know, from Europe all the way out to California just to be a part of IGC, so it doesn't surprise me that people will go that far, but that's not really the point. But if you are traveling, please do allow plenty of time for you to actually get to, like, the airport and travel and fly land and actually give yourself like maybe a couple of days before the event actually happens to kind of get through the jet lag and all that stuff depending on where the competition is now if you're somebody like me who would be like yeah i would rather much go to one that's much closer you know i wouldn't say preferably driving distance but you know <laughs> driving distance is really good you know like if, if vegas was having a boss competition right now like yeah that's totally fine with me that's only six hours away from reno that's totally fine you know uh, i know if the bay area was having one that would be only like a three hour drive for me to do that's that's totally fine but yes uh when it, when it comes to in-person competitions especially if you are the type of person that has to travel to that place in order to be a part of it uh, definitely allow a good amount of time for you not only to travel to get there but to rest up and prepare for the couple days uh, leading up to it uh, you know jet lag is a serious thing and I do want my listeners to please understand that that can affect your performance uh, just from my own experience in the competition setting in terms of Smash Brothers and Magic the Gathering you know <laughs> you're asleep and getting yourself situated and comfortable before the event is absolutely crucial because it does affect your performance you know it, it adds a le- level of stress that you do not need and causes your performance to falter a bit uh, you know I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've done that granted I was much younger you can get away with that stuff but it's something like now in my age I, I don't think I'll be able to pull it off as easily but that is one of those things I definitely want to stress is that if you're traveling to an in-person event definitely give yourself enough time to recuperate from the travel and prepare yourself for the event that are coming in the next couple days type deal, right? Which is totally fine. Now, the other thing I definitely want to stress is the supplies part. You know, uh, it, it wouldn't hurt that you have a fresh pair of whites, have a fresh set of batteries. You know, uh, I would recommend that the day, like the night before or the very early morning of the event that you actually set up and configure your lights the way you need them for the event. It wasn't a huge thing back then when I was seeing it, you know, when I was watching extremely closely of a lot of the competition stuff. You know, people would actually change their their, their, their lights in between rounds and stuff, you know, just like color settings, you know, you know, uh, and flash patterns and stuff like that. So I don't think they're like, oh, I'm I'm going to use the chromas for this round and then I'm going to use my spectros for the next round. Like, no, 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 no. They, they, they tend to not let you do that. But... You know, with a lot of the programmable lights that we have now, you know, you can just literally change it to another set that you can use without actually have to change out the lights themselves. So definitely keep that in mind. It's always helpful to be fresh for everything in terms of a competition. Uh, and I know it doesn't necessarily affect your performance or your, you know, your tabulation of your scores, but it wouldn't surprise me if it actually did. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily in the rules, if I remember correctly, that you have to have like fresh whites in order for it to actually work. But I, 
it wouldn't surprise me if that was actually an unspoken rule that if you're using extremely dirty whites that it's going to affect your, your overall performance in terms of presentation. So definitely keep that in mind. Now, accommodations is another thing I want to also stress. Definitely make sure that you have secured accommodations for the, the travel time and all that stuff if you're going to an in-person event. Because <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times I've seen this happen, not even not even with gloving, but I've seen it with Smash Brothers and with Magic Gathering and with Yu-Gi-Oh! that yeah, you know, some people just don't plan accordingly for their accommodations and they're literally like showing up to wherever they are and literally hitting up the Facebook groups and be like, Hey, anyone got a place for me to stay in this area? I'm here for the competition and I don't have a place to stay. Like no, you gotta you gotta put the time and effort to get yourself accommodated. Now I understand if you're the type of person who just does not have the resources to accommodate yourself that way, then yes, that's totally fine to do it that way. But please set that up before you get there. Don't do that when you are there because you are now adding more stress to yourself before the competition and that's something you just don't need. You don't wanna have something like that before your competition. It just it will affect it in in ways that you don't think it would. Okay, so I definitely want to stress the fact that when it comes to in-person events, you got to put things in place. You know, you got to set time for your travel time. You got to set up your accommodations before you even get there. And you want to make sure that if you, are, you know, have some old batteries and some dirty whites that you actually change those out. I would recommend that you don't do that until like the night before your competition. Uh, that way it's the freshest that they can be. That's just my opinion. You can do however you want, but these are things I feel like if you follow these, it will help relieve the stress, okay? Now, there's the other format, which is online competitions. Everyone knows about these online competitions. Uh, I certainly would say that they happen a little bit more frequently than like in-person competitions, including right now with the current state of everything. But besides that, <laughs> online competitions, it's a little bit more different take in terms of the competition environment than it is in terms of it like an in-person event. So, of course, when it comes to online, the only things you really need to worry about is supplies, your accommodations, and your planning. Now, please understand what I mean by accommodations is that you have a set place or space that allows you to record your light shows for this online competition. You know, I, I, <laughs> I can certainly tell you I have plenty of videos where I'm actually, it's just practice videos where I'm literally just labbing it up and you see people walking in and out of the room. You hear the door opening and closing. You have your people asking me questions while I'm trying to practice. When, when it comes to your online videos, you definitely want to make sure that you have a space provided for yourself so you can record and feel comfortable in and that you know that you can put a sign out there to say, please do not disturb because I am recording. Like, you know, for crying out loud, I have a sign on my door for my studio to let people know that I'm in here recording doing these episodes, you know. So you should also do that as well when it comes to your, your online competition videos. You know, you got to set the, the place you know, it doesn't need space and you tell people to stay away from there until you are done, right? That's one major thing I definitely want to stress when it comes to that. Now, when it comes to supplies, it, it really depends on what is needed in terms of the online competitions because a lot of these competitions, they're not just straight up, here's a competition and have fun with it. It's usually like a themed competition where, you know, you're, you're supposed to do things in a certain way or and whatnot you know like we're kind of you know we had you know the four kingdoms one we also had like what is it uh last light benders 
hosted an online competition that was uh, called Harmonic Convergence, which, again, if you guys don't know what Last Lightbenders is, it is a team that is very unthemed of Avatar Last Endbender, which is a great show if you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, so there are these themed type competitions that do happen online a little bit more frequently than we actually have seen like in person and that's totally understandable you know it's kind of hard to kind of pull that off in person but you know and there have been cases that it has worked you know the fable competition worked really well so with that being said you know you you, you have your accommodations the supplies is like having the the you know a good enough camera an adequate camera you don't have to have like this 4k digital you know uber high res you know type camera it, you know it just has to be you know adequate to what it needs to do uh you know i can certainly tell you like my logitech webcam is not something that you want to use for your your competitions cell phones nowadays they're the the resolution on those are adequate enough now i know a lot of people are probably sitting there they're going well i want to have a fisheye lens on my camera so it makes it look super cute and i totally understand because i have plenty of those myself you know i have plenty of fisheye lens and wide angle lenses and, and micro you know macro lenses and stuff like that you know if you go to any walmart or any department store you're bound to find these little phone clip lenses that they sell for like eight to ten bucks they're not the greatest but they do serve the purpose okay you know they do serve what you you want out of them you know and you know now they're uh, granted i found some higher quality ones that can run you up to 200 dollars just for the set you know but uh i if if you're somebody who just needs like a good simple fish eye lens that's adequate enough to do what you need to do in terms of your gloving videos it's about eight to ten bucks just go to walmart you'll find them there you know they're usually over near the checkout aisle so you know just keep an eye out for that and of course the one major thing i definitely want to stress when it comes to the online competitions is planning yes so when it comes to planning you definitely want to plan this out you know especially when they release like the playlists yes competitions do have playlists especially online ones it's usually uh just so you know we can avoid the whole zooking problem that happens on facebook you know or any copyright infringement stuff that happens so when I know a lot of people do ask about that, like why are there why are there playlists for online competitions? It's for that. It is literally for that. So there can they can watch a light show video from you and not go, oh crap, it got muted and now I have to like try to sync it up and figure out how it worked. Like no. You know, that's that's the reason why they make playlists. It's just to avoid that issue. So, of course, you know, there are pros and cons between each format, you know in person the competition duration is actually not that long it's only a few hours you know but you are like pretty much marathoning it like you get done with the match you know you have the whole debacle between the two judges you know settling on a score and then moving on from there and it's just like boom 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 you do get like momentarily points of rest and little reprieves throughout the competition but you're pretty much are just constantly going through it just boom 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 in terms of the competition and that's totally fine like that's that's a format I'm very used to, especially when it came to things like Magic the Gathering. Now, definitely want to stress this, that when it comes to the gloving competitions, they don't have like eight or nine rounds like I would have to do when it comes to Magic the Gathering or with Yu-Gi-Oh! or with Smash Brothers. Yes, it really all depends on the size of how many people are participating in the competition. Now, granted, when it comes to gloving competitions, they do have a set cap. You know, they only have like 16 or 32 or 64 you know they have these little brackets of how many people can be in the in the tournament you know and it's just it's just 
how they set it up. You know, don't I? I don't know how they would actually handle it if it was just like an all open thing, and you know, they don't actually have the, these cap brackets to actually help set it up. You know, there is no like buy system, which if you don't understand what I mean by the buy system, is like from my experience with uh, Magic the Gathering, you you can have people who drop out of the, uh, the tournament and. If you were getting paired up with them and they already dropped out, you get what they call a buy. You know, you automatically win and you go to the next round. You know, of course, now you're waiting for this current round to end so the next round can start. But at least you get like, you know, a good 15 minute reprieve where you can actually go grab something to eat and go take care of yourself. You know, go release yourself in the bathroom, whatever you need to do, you know, stuff like that. So there are there are pros and cons to in person. I know a lot of people don't really like the whole marathoning idea where you're just like boom, 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 boom. It's totally understandable. You know, the, and one of the other things that I know a lot of people feel like they think is a con, which I don't think, I think it's actually more of a pro, is uh, the improv, uh, improvisation that you have to do when it comes to these. Uh, it's just because you're kind of like working off of what's, you know, being provided. And not only that, you're kind of being like told to do stuff right on the spot, you know. So some people might see that as a good thing. Some people might see that as a bad thing. Now I will leave that up to you to make that the kind of decision. Now, when it comes to online competitions, it's a little bit more lax in terms of not necessarily of like rules or anything. It's more lax in terms of like you don't feel so much pressure. You know, a lot of people like online competitions because they just have to record in front of the camera and make sure that it looks good and post it online. As opposed to being in person where you have a crowd of people who are literally watching you and you're literally putting being put on center stage for people to watch you. You know, that that, that tends to get to people's nerves and I can totally understand that like. Uh, being on a feature match in, in Magic Gathering was n is not necessarily a fun thing. Just because you're literally sitting there going, wow, there are thousands upon thousands of people who are literally watching me right now. Uh, and I can totally understand how people would feel about that in in-person competitions, and that's why they probably lean towards online competitions, because they don't have to be put on blast like that. But then again, you are posting a video to everyone to see. But it still makes it easier for most people. That's totally fine. Uh, the only thing I know a lot of people say is the con when it comes to online competitions is the duration. Uh, instead of, you know, knocking out this entire competition and finding out the winner of the entire competition within a matter of hours, this takes a matter of weeks. And that's totally understandable considering that, you know, we're all doing this out of our own bedroom type deal or doing this outside and then posting it on the internet and then hoping that the judges that you have available time during the week to actually watch, judge, and tabulate all these scores and you have to put them all together and all the communications, it can bog down really fast. So that's why online competitions take as long as they do. You know, a, an online competition can start and, you know, a month can go by and you kind of, like, if you're not somebody who's in the competition and you hear about a competition starting, you know, if you're not seeing those videos being posted regularly every week, you kind of tend to forget. And that, like, I will certainly tell you from my own experience, like, I remember online competition starting and I'll be like, all right, cool. And then kind of like forget about it, that it's happening and then be remembered or be reminded that it's happening when, when when the winner is announced you know it's just it's funny and i don't know why it's just you know today's society is crazy but anyways so here's the things that i will definitely want to let you guys know when it comes to leading up to the event you know things that you need to be doing or you should be doing or i suggest you try doing 
leading up to the event. You know, you know, I'm not saying that these are all set in stone, that these are all, you know, divine law and you have to follow them. These are, you know, guidelines to the natural rule. That's the that's the way I always want to go about these little suggestions I always give. You don't have to follow them verbatim. They're just ideas to kind of help you analyze what you're what what you're looking at here, okay? So, for like in person competitions, you know, there I have things like you know, learning and understanding the meta, which I, I know a lot of people are probably gonna be like, wait, what are you talking about? What What's the meta? Now, the term meta means is just what's winning, what's, what is on the top echelon of the competitive outlet or the competitive circuit. You know, for me, it's whatever the best decks are in Magic is, you know, whatever type of character you play in, in Smash and things like that. You know, there are certain characters that are just much better at doing what they need to do, executing their little moves and stuff like that over other characters. So, you know, that's what we mean by meta. Now, again, I'm not the greatest person to try to describe what the gloving meta is like right now. Mostly just because it tends to shift and it's, for me, it's hard to kind of quantify like what's considered meta in the competition format of gloving. But if you are somebody who understands the meta game of, of the gloving format, please Please enlighten us. Please inform us by commenting and letting us know. It would be most appreciated. One major thing I definitely would also suggest is practicing with mock trials. Now, what do I mean by mock trials? Okay, so if you're the fortunate few that actually have like friends that are also glovers that you guys meet up regularly, I would suggest like, hey, hitting up a couple of friends and having them come over and you actually just kind of do like a mock competition set up right there and then where you're actually being put on the spot so there's a third person who's like keeping time you know you're you're following the parameters of the competition at home and you're practicing it you're getting familiar and used to that kind of routine of what the competition asks of you in that sense if that makes any sense to you at all this to me when i mean by like mock trials it's like the equivalent of like play testing a deck in magic the gathering you built this deck now you need to test it to see if it actually works against the metagame and if it does then it does if it doesn't then you got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what's not working and see if you can make it work you know uh that's the same kind of idea when it comes to these mock trials in my opinion is that you you are putting what you know to the test of what the competition asks of you and if you're not being able to fulfill or feel adequate enough in there you're now able to have that opportunity to not only get feedback from the people that you're doing it with but also to work on making it work within that format right and of course i definitely want to stress this little fact that when it comes to in-person competitions definitely follow a regiment that focuses on that competition you know maybe like a good month and a half before the competition starts you actually just kind of like mock trial it you know just getting yourself so familiar and so saturated with the competition format that when you actually go to do it it doesn't feel any different than how you were at home you know you get you get yourself very familiar with this the uh, experience okay now when it comes to online competitions here are the things i definitely want to you know understanding the video parameters of what the competition is asking you for i know there's like a, usually a time frame of what they want the videos to be like I, I think it was like a minute 30 to like 2:30, including like the intros and outros and all that stuff in terms of, of the competition getting used to the editing and stuff like that so understanding that and getting used to doing that i would definitely set like having a set you know timer to let you know like you can start the timer and then you start the show and once it goes off then you know you're getting yourself familiar of you know 
fitting within the time frame that the competition is asking of you, right? To me, the other thing I also want to let you guys understand or really take in consideration is using and understanding your equipment. Now, I'm not saying like your lights and your gloves. I mean, you know, your video camera, your lenses, all that stuff. Please understand how it works. Uh, I know <sighs> I will certainly tell you that I've been wanting to do an episode about how to change the camera settings on your camera so it will reflect with, you know, with gloving. However, we all have different cameras. We all use different equipment. So for me to make an episode like that is going to be difficult because not everyone uses the same camera. And I'm not going to tell everybody to go buy the same camera in order for it to work. Yeah, so it's something we have to do a little bit more research on it. I'm totally fine with that. I'm going to work on it. Don't worry. You know, so please understanding how your equipment works. Not only that, but like knowing where you where your frame is on your camera in terms of when you have it pointing at you, like you know your boundaries, you know when you're out of frame. Uh, I know some people use a, mirror, use a mirror behind their camera so they can see what it looks like on screen, and that's totally fine. Uh, that's something I would say uh, to a lot of newcomers, that if you haven't really done that, it's going to take some time and practice to get used to doing it that way. But People do it that way and it works. So don't don't sit there and think that's not going to work for you. You got to give it a try. You got to practice and see if it works for you. And of course, just, you know, practicing your recording techniques, just getting comfortable recording in front of the camera is always, you know, it's a lot easier in my opinion than doing it in person because, you know, in-person competitions, you have a bunch of people watching you as opposed to online competitions where you just have a camera in your bedroom and no one around. So, you know, you feel a little bit more comfortable. So definitely want <laughs> Stress that when it, when it comes to your online stuff, just understanding the video parameters, the, the parameters that are set by the organizers in terms of what they want out of your videos. And of course, just practicing your recording techniques is all gonna help you with your lovely little competition online. So one final thing I definitely wanna talk about is notes on metagaming, okay? So for somebody like me to try to explain what the metagame is for gloving is going to be a little difficult because I'm a casual glover. I don't do competitions for gloving and that's totally fine. But I do, again, like I said in the very beginning, I want to show love to the competition format. I, I want to show the competitive environment that I do support it for what it does. So the best one I'm going to be able to tell you about metagaming in terms of gloving is just from my experience outside of gloving and things like that. Now, here's one easy way to understand or get a good idea of what the metagame could look like is watching previous competition videos, okay? Main reason is, especially if it's like just one competition, you know, any of the bosses, they, you know, they, they have the playlist put all together. The thing that I would definitely suggest when it comes to watching previous competition videos is following a particular person. Now, you don't have to like this person or what they do, but if there's somebody who progressed super far throughout the competition, like they got within the top four, then you're going to see like what it is that got them to that point. Not just like, oh, well, he played to the scorecard and oh, the judges just really liked him. Like, no, you're going to see through the performance of like what you know, if you watch their performances and they are progressing, there's something in their performances that are causing them to be, you know, to progress further up the ladder, you know? So 
watching previous competition videos is going to help you. I will certainly tell you that I still to this day when I want to find like some ideas of concepts I want to do, I watch competition videos. It's just because people spew out so many different concepts so fast most of the time in those in those settings that you tend to overlook some of them. And then when you watch them later down the road and you catch it, you're just like, hey, you know what? That actually was a really cool concept. I kind of want to expand on that a little bit. Boom. You know, that's just the thing that I go about it. So when it comes to understanding how the meta works in terms of gloving, watching previous videos in competitions is going to help you, especially if you're able to follow somebody who went from the very bottom all the way to winning the entire competition. That will help you understand like what's, what are they doing that gets the judges' attention that allows them to get good scores on their scorecard? You know, now, I do want to disclaim this little thing. If you are very not used to uh, the competition format, I do, have, I do have an episode on the intro to competitive gloving. It does break down things way more in depth that way. I'm just trying to help you guys understand what you guys need to do in terms of preparing for a competition. So definitely go check out that episode if you are just trying to get into the competition format and or into the competition environment. Uh, that's the best way to start. And then come back to this one, okay? So another thing I definitely want to say, especially if you're in person, this is the biggest opportunity that you have, okay? If you're in an in-person competition and you have a chance to actually talk to judges, not just the judges that are judging your performance specifically, but just any judge or anyone who has been a judge, you have this opportunity now to ask them these questions that help you understand what it is that they're looking for in terms of the competition. You know, it's not just like, oh, I want to see more whips or anything, you know, or any personal biases, stuff like that. Is they're trying to be as objective as possible when it comes to the performance. And so getting their insights on what they're looking for is going to help. You know, Puppet even had videos. He was doing videos where, you know, you send him in a video and he'll actually critique what you're doing and he'll actually record what he's critiquing to show like this is what he's looking for and he'll point it out. So if you haven't seen any of those, I do recommend checking those out. That does help. But just asking judges what they're looking for after the competition is over is going to give you the big insight and therefore help you understand the meta. What is the meta to them? You know, it's what is the meta to the judges and understanding like how they're looking at it and having that knowledge is going to help you implement that into your craft implement that into your performance all right one last thing i definitely want to stress before in this episode is that you need to remember that the meta does shift it does shift you know i will certainly tell you from my experience of watching the competition environment of gloving grow as it did you know, I remember when digits and dials were like really huge and that was part of, you know, that was the thing in the meta. And then, you know, they, you know, we had all these shifts, you know, we went from like digits and dials to King Tutting was really, really huge. And that really got a lot of people into, of course, now everyone wants to talk about clusters, but I'm not going to get into that. It is what it is. But yes, please understand that, you know, we do have these shifts in the metagame. And I'm not even saying that like once it shifts a certain way, it doesn't shift back, you know. Things do kind of circle back into a, a, you know, ebb and flow type deal when it comes to the meta. Like, I, I will certainly tell you from my experience in, like, Magic the Gathering, like, one particular archetype will get really strong, and then all of a sudden another one will get popular just because it's able to counter that one. And then another one becomes popular, and then, in the, you know, it kind of has a cycle where it just ebbs and flows, whatever's working. Now, 
I can certainly tell you that uh, between each competition, so like, for example, you go to one boss and like four months later you go to another boss, the meta might have shifted by, uh, by then. And it's usually a case by case basis, in my opinion, when it comes to the meta. And sometimes you just spike a tournament easy and sometimes you wash out. That tends to happen. Uh, so understanding how to metagame is probably going to be a good one. Now, if there is anyone in the competition environment or anyone who's been in competitions long enough to really help explain what the meta is for gloving, my suggestion would be Jess or Puppet. Just because they've done it enough times, they you know they they judged enough times, and they have a good strong understanding of how the meta is that. If you want to really get a good analysis about the meta, those are the two people I suggest asking. You know, now please understand: do not do not blow up their email accounts or or their message boxes to to get an answer for them. Just you know, just drop a line. Eventually, they probably reply to you. You know, most of the time, they actually do want to help you understand. So, just want to stress that. But yes, that is pretty much all my episode. I do hope you guys enjoyed what I had to say. I know. I know comp episodes just don't do well for me. You guys, I, I know a lot of people just don't want to listen to it. And I get it because I am not a competitive lover. You know, I, it's, that's totally fine. But at the same time, I do have experience in competitions to at least have some good, you know, some level of insight to help you understand. So if you do have any questions that I did not cover in this episode or any other episode for that matter, I do have the various outlets you can hit me up at. Of course, I do have the Facebook page, which is aptly named The Gloving Paradigm. And, of course, I do have myself up on Reddit under the username MuttonChopGuy and email, which is MuttonChopGuy at gmail.com. And, of course, I do have the Discord. I have all these other places you can hit me up at. Of course, you don't have to hesitate to hit me up at any of those. I'm willing to talk to you as much as I can. Definitely want to thank everybody who's liked the page so far. You guys are absolutely amazing in supporting the show. And keeping it going and keep giving me a reason to keep going uh you know a lot of, i know a lot of the things going on right now it's just been a little hectic hopefully with the positive trend of states opening back up that things will you know get back to normalcy just be prepared for things to get a little bit worse just in case you know uh just because we're can we're, we're seeing this upward trend doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet so just please bear that in mind but you know, I just want to thank everybody who listens. I want to thank everybody who does give me input. I, I do highly appreciate the, the amount of support that I get from you guys. It's it's really humbling and it does keep this you know, keep the show going. So once again I just wanna thank you guys so much for showing your, your, your quiet support to me. Uh, the show would not be possible without you guys. So I absolutely love you guys. Thank you so much. But I am your host, Peter, aka LPD Dubuque, and I'll see you guys all next week. <laughs>